Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Monday, PFTOT, Chris Sims, Mike Florio. Chaotic Sunday in the NFL, and uh, we could keep we could keep talking about it all day. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. We'll talk about it later on Chris Sims Unbuttoned. Yep. I'll be talking about some of it tomorrow on PFTPM. But, but a, a few things that we kind of touched on during breaks, and we didn't have a spot to really jam it in to a very, very tight outline for the two hours that we had on NBCSN. One deals with the Saints. It's a given at this point Drew Brees is going to be out yeah, for a while. for at least a little bit, yeah. right. Thumb, ligament, maybe surgery, whatever the case may be, he's right. not going to be able to play for a while. Yep. So what do you do at quarterback yeah. if you're the New Orleans Saints? You have Teddy Bridgewater, you have Taysom Hill. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question. Um, I mean, Taysom Hill, first off, as you know, it was phenomenal in the preseason. I mean, phenomenal. Not just like athletic, like, oh, wow, he's a freaky athlete and he can make plays. His throwing and quarterback play went up another level from what we saw as compared to last year. Like, he understands how to move in the pocket and throw with touch and, you know, change arm angles and read defenses. Like, all of that's improved to where he certainly closed the gap between Teddy Bridgewater and I would say maybe passed him. Now, the big question is, Mike, first off, I was shocked we didn't see him a little in the game yesterday. You have, a, you have an interesting theory for that. And my theory is a little bit – Was the first thing is – you know, I think Sean Payton, if he did have a Taysom Hill package, went, ooh, I might have to make this guy my starting quarterback in a week or two, and I don't want to do the Taysom Hill package now and have him run between the tackles and get killed by Aaron Donald or whatever it may be. Now, the other theory could also be, gosh, I'm down to two quarterbacks and he's my backup and I need to keep him healthy just in case something happened to Teddy Bridgewater too. So it could be either way. But I would think with the way the preseason unfolded and as average as Teddy Bridgewater looked in preseason – and yesterday, that Taysom Hill, the starter, has got to be in Sean Payton's mind a little bit. At a minimum, you get both guys ready, and you use both guys because that puts more pressure on the defense. At a minimum, yeah. with Taysom Hill, right? You get him out there, right? You do it with Drew Brees. Yeah, you're going to get him out there with Teddy Bridgewater if Teddy Bridgewater's the starter. Here's what Sean Payton said about Taysom Hill last month in comparing him to. Steve Young, mm -hmm. your guy, My buddy. Mr. Laissez-faire. Mr. Laissez-faire lefty. Sean Payton said, if you look back at Steve's career, people don't remember the time before he came to the NFL. You have a very athletic player that I think advanced when he got to San Francisco. He always had great ability with his legs, so you're trying to create visions for players, and that's no different than how you evaluate how we see Teddy Bridgewater progressing and what we think he can be. That's the business we're in. The bottom line is restrained effort by Sean Payton to say, I got a lump of clay here. Yeah, they right. could be pretty damn good good right. if I shape it the right way. And Peyton is a master of studying everything that happens in the NFL, mm -hmm. cherry-picking ideas that he thinks will work with his personnel, yep. and putting his players. You talked about this with the 49ers where guys are wide open. That's yeah. great coaching. Yeah. Sean Peyton is great at that play selection, play design, right. using the plays at the right time, setting up a defense, and springing guys wide open. So I could hit the guy. Yeah. So, you know, it could be Bridgewater, it could be Hill, right. but if you have that 
that co- at a minimum a combination. Yeah. Maybe Taysom Hill's the guy. At a minimum, you got to get him on the field. And I like your theory that they kept him off the field yesterday because he may be the starter and they didn't want to lose two guys in the same day against the Rams. I, I, I think it, it just, you know, trying to put myself in his shoes. And again, we don't know. We're speculating. But I, I would think that's the logic there. I, and really, honestly, again, I'm not trying to be like negative towards Teddy Bridgewater. But I think the ceiling's higher with Taysom Hill and what he can do with that offense and what I've seen to this point. And I know Teddy Bridgewater's a fine player, but I think he's really – a backup. He's a career backup in my eyes. Where I look at Taysom Hill, like you're saying, a lump of clay where I go, there's a chance he could be Steve Young. There is a chance. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's proven, I've seen enough already to go, ooh, in two years he's made giant leaps and bounds in quarterback play and the way he throws and all of those things to make me think that uh, something special might happen here and I think Sean Payton might see that same type of vision. And he is such an amazing athlete. Two years ago when he was playing special teams, that guy is so fast. Oh my gosh. It makes other guys look bad. Right. When they watch the film, it's like other guys are in slow motion. No, yeah. that's just how fast Taysom Hill is. Right, yeah, no, he is. I mean, he hustles. He's, I mean, rocked up. I mean, some of the collisions you see him make sometimes, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. He can take he can take on linebackers like a running back. And, I, you know, if he does start a quarterback, he's got to limit that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see where this whole quarterback situation goes for the same. And here's the other thing, too. Now that Sean Payton has a new contract, Jay Glazer reported that on Sunday, five years beyond this year, six years total of a commitment, he will be there after Drew Brees. Yeah. So the future is coming. The future may be right now. Right. So why not fully evaluate the guy? Guys you have, and Taysom Hill is the guy who's got the higher ceiling. I think we can agree on that. Yes. Taysom Hill has a much higher ceiling than Teddy Bridge. Yes, definitely. So why not get him ready and get him on the Yeah, field? I, I, and, and again, I'm rooting for that. Yeah. I, not, I, and I love Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, right. It's a shame what happened three years ago. Derailed his career. We never got a chance to see how good he could be in Minnesota. That's right. But – that's where he is right now, and I think Taysom Hill does yeah. have a, a, a better – We see that glimmer that there could be some greatness there. And we're seeing that from Dak Prescott. Yeah, exactly. The greatness is arriving. Right. So, And we, we talked about this a little bit during the show. And, and, I, and I think of those old images of the, of the horse that's got the stick that, that's, that carrots dangling to keep the horse moving in the right direction. Right. That carrots dangling for Dak Prescott. It's and cash, it, though, right? And, and right. But it, what, yeah, it's yeah. 24 carat. Is that good? Is 24, is the higher, yeah. the higher carrots I think better, so, right? right? Yeah. All right. Anyway, I don't, hell, I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, but uh, um, what was my point? Oh, yeah. The carrots dangling, <laughs> or whether it's 24 carat or, or big orange it's Bugs solid Bunny. solid gold. Big orange Bugs Bunny carrot. Right. And if you're the Cowboys at some point, do you say, I kind of like this version of Dak Prescott. I kind of like the chasing the cash Dak Prescott. Do we risk disrupting it by giving him the cash? We can always pay him at the end of the year. At what point do they just say, hey, one week at a time. We like it. We like it. We like it. He's still carrying the injury risk, so we're protected against an Alex Smith situation. Mm -hmm. Let him keep playing like this because it's working. Yeah, I I mean – I think it's a very real thing in the NFL with certain players. Like, you know, uh, I, I just know in my time up in New England, I know I've said this to you before, that the New England coaching staff felt that Wes Welker was better when he was pissed off or mad. And sometimes they would disrespect him or maybe not give him the credit he deserves, but they knew if he was mad and disrespected that the next week he was going to come out and have a phenomenal football game. Well, yeah, there's a lot of situations like that throughout football. I don't think Dak Prescott's one of those guys. And I guess the big thing is, Mike, I mean, if it continues to go where we're seeing it right now, right? I mean, 
just phenomenal quarterback play, big-time plays. I mean, just big-time throws. The offense looks amazing. I mean, if they go 14-2 and two, and he's in the conversation for MVP, you know, what are they going to have to pay him, Mike? They're going to have to make him the highest-paid quarterback in football is what they're going to have to do, I think. I think he will be the highest-paid quarterback in football if that's the case. And here's the problem you get into. I don't want to go too far into the contractual weeds, but if yeah. the franchise tag next year is between 25 and $26 million for quarterbacks, mm-hmm. he'd be getting that in 2020, a 20% raise over it, so it'd put him between 30 and $32 million for 2021. A lot of times the value of the franchise tag drives – what your long-term deal would be. But the market is so far above the franchise tag for quarterbacks now. Right. I, I don't – I don't because that's what they did with Des Bryant eventually. They did it with Demarcus Lawrence. Your franchise tag number and what you're going to make over the next couple of years determines the foundation for your long-term contract for Dak. I, just, I don't care. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the – I'm in the equation now where we look at $30 million plus. And the other side of it too, that whole new money, total value thing, yeah. once you get out from under this rookie deal – then the, the the 28, 29, 30 million, that's real dollars. That's not inflated by this whole new money concept on an extension. It's gonna get it's gonna get complicated yeah. at the end of the year if they don't do a deal, but it may be he's holding an MVP trophy for the negotiations, or maybe he's got his fingerprints on a Lombardi trophy for the negotiations. And it could be Peter King made the point a couple of weeks ago that this may just be another Joe Flacco situation I mean, it, where it a guy be. just bets on himself, cashes in, and then you force your way into being the highest-paid player in the sport. I wonder if they offered him the same money as Russell Wilson right now. Would he take it? You know, those are just things that, that pop in. $35 million a year yeah. in new money? Yeah. I think he would. Think he but would here's too. the thing. To get to $35 million a year in new money, you're not that far north of the Jimmy Garoppolo five years, $27.5 million at signing. Right. It's that last year of a rookie contract for a guy who was a fourth-round pick, $2 million. That may, and, I, and I know, and because I, 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 I can't say how I know, but I know that's complicating this negotiation. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. All right. Uh, but, yeah, it may just be let it ride because the Cowboys have it working out. All right. Green Bay Packers letting it ride offensively. They've had a few good quarters. Yep. Uh, enough to be 2-0. and N- Neither game was a blowout by any stretch, but two hard-fought division wins, one on the road, one at home. What's the ceiling for that offense? Uh, it's yet to be seen, really. I mean, I think we got a little bit better of a picture of it yesterday because we saw the run game. We saw a few play-action passes where we went, ooh, okay, man, that was that was nice. But then it stuttered out. I mean, it just sputtered out, I should say. Uh, it, it really did to where, yeah, I mean, hey, Aaron Rodgers, he, he only completed six more pa- six passes in the second half for, you know, 60 yards basically, and that was concerning. But I think the positive thing here overall in the big picture for the Green Bay Packers is this. One, we're seeing a run game. And that's a Vikings defense that's pretty good, right? And they like to put a, like eight men at the line of scrimmage a whole lot. So to, to be able to have a guy like Aaron Jones and run for 116 is awesome. The defense for the second week in a row did a lot of good things. You know, hey, there were some turnovers by Green Bay and some bad things they did offensively that set up that Minnesota Vikings uh, offense yesterday in general. But, I, I mean, this Packers D is real. So I just look at the Packers in general, and if you're a Packers fan, and I would go, man, you should feel good. You're 2-0. And the offense and Aaron Rodgers really haven't even started to click yet. And I think if there was one thing I wouldn't be worried about eventually starting to click, it would be that part of their football team. So to say you're 2-0, your defense playing good, we're seeing a semblance of a run game, 
Uh, that's amazing at this point. I think it can only go up from here. My other big issue, Mike, and you know this, is just just got to find another weapon in the past yeah, game. Yeah, I worry about as soon as they started doubling Devontae Adams, Adams. That was it. It was it. It was like they couldn't find anybody else in the offense. We saw Toronto Allison get the touchdown pass. Okay, great. It was a great throw. He's tall. He went up and got it. Get all of that. But they certainly need to find another weapon in the offense to indoctrinate him. Did I say that right? Yes. Thank you. Into their offense and make defenses have to worry about that guy because it can't just be Devontae Adams. It cannot be. They're not going to – they might, you Wait, know, get the playoffs. Who are you indoctrinating? Devontae Adams? No, they need to indoctrinating someone else. Yes. Yeah, like, just making sure. Yeah, they got to get somebody else that in there to make a defense go, oh, we can't always double Devontae Adams because this guy's become a big part of their offense, and that's when they can get dangerous. Also, if you're going to try to block a defensive end with a tight end, make sure it's not Jimmy Graham. What in the hell was that? Well, how many times did we see that yesterday that is a pet peeve of mine I mean because on the whiteboard all week and and, and you know, well look we blocked them guys the meeting's over I've blocked them I oh <laughs> except they're real oh, human yeah. <laughs> and it's Jimmy Graham and Daniel Hunter and Jimmy Graham is by no means famous for his blocking and Daniel Hunter is famous for his ability to sack the quarterback can't I don't understand you would never see New England do that that's another thing I'll it say. reminds me of the NFC championship game it was the play that that opened the floodgates or contributed to it for the Eagles the, the Vikings put up a tight end in motion to stop Derek Barnett. Exactly. He blew past him and ripped the ball Sack out of fumble. Case Keenum's hands. Right. And three plays and later, touchdown and game over. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Dolphins game over. Uh, you don't need a key play like that for the game to be over. The game's over the moment they start the game. 59 to 10, 43 to nothing. Mm. If my math is correct, and it rarely is, that's 102 to 10 yeah. in two weeks. That's not good. Yeah. That's not good. How bad are the Dolphins? Is that is your math correct there? Are you sure? 40 or 59 and 43 is yeah. 102. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> my math is wrong. Yeah, you're, did, you think, you, did you think it was a different number? I did. Yeah, 102 to 10. Uh, I can add 10 uh, plus zero, though. Yes. That we've got. Yes. 10 points total in two games against 102 given up. Ooh. How bad are they? Horrible disaster. I mean, I don't know what you really look at on the roster other than Xavier Howard right now and go, okay. I mean, he's the only guy that's kind of an elite player in this league. There's some good, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to disrespect everybody there, but they are uh, really underwhelming. And the coaches are trying to find their footing as well. I mean, there are a lot of first-timers. you got Chad O'Shea's a first-time OC, and Brian Flores, a first-time head coach. It just looks horrible right now. And, you know, they're they're tanking for Tua or whatever, doing something yeah, for there's Herbert. A th- there's a new theory now. There's Let me hear theory. this one, yeah. There's a new theory. It's yeah. not tank for Tua. It's tank for Trevor. Tank it's for Trevor? It's a two-year tank. Ooh. And think about what the Browns did. Yeah. They had 1-15 and 0-16. and, 0 and 16. So yeah. they go 1-15, and 15, they get Miles Garrett. Right. 0-16, and 16, get Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I mean, if you take a quarterback with the first overall pick in the 2020 draft, who the hell is going to block for him? Right. Larry Mitunsel's gone, right? So you're going to get a rookie quarterback, and he's going to get destroyed. Yeah. So there, there is that. This is so bad. This is so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. This is such a how deep is this bottom? No one knows type of a situation that there are people around, not in the organization, but people like who are down in that area who are part of all this are saying this This is a two-year tank. This yeah. isn't a one-year tank. Well, I, I mean, it, it, that's dangerous if it is a like, two-year tank. That's, you're, 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 you're playing with fire there because if you go 1-15 this year, 
and then on the second year of this tank job go one and 15 again this coaching staff they're not gonna they might not see a third year they might not see Trevor Lawrence come in the building so you know they're they're gonna have to make some major adjustments in free agency and draft and be aggressive to at least give themselves a fighting chance next year because I think if they lay eggs like we're laying right now next into next year and there we just go whoa they can't even be competitive in some of these games then the the, the media scrutiny the 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 fan scrutiny is going to be so much that Stephen Ross might have no no choice but to, to fire the staff it becomes too much of a disaster so they got to right the ship a little bit here during this season but make sure they give themselves at least a fighting chance for next year there are people in the league who believe no matter what they do no matter how it plays out no matter yeah. how many picks they compile no matter what they do with those picks as long as Stephen Ross is the owner of the Dolphins they're going to continue to be yeah bad not yeah. not that they're going to be this bad yeah but it's not like they're going to parlay a year or two of historical bad into all of a sudden competing for Super Bowls every year yeah. having a team that has a franchise quarterback I mean they haven't had one since Dan Marino right I get it I understand the value of tanking once you're out of playoff contention I still believe that you should try every year to get to the playoffs and then once you know you're going to be seven and nine six and ten who cares if you're three and 13 as long as your coach has job security but you're right I mean Brian Flores may be all in for this because yeah. he knows this is what the boss wants and I can't come out and say it right but it could go so poorly that when it's time to to begin to build out of it is yeah. I can't I'm sorry we, yeah. you it's you there's a taint now right we can't keep you around yeah that's the scary thing all right one more topic, and I'm calling an audible on you. We're okay. going to talk about the Cardinals. We can talk about them later in the week. We haven't talked about Antonio Brown today as it relates to how he performed yesterday and what's coming up off the field. What was your impression of him on the field in his debut with the Patriots? Well, I mean, looked at it, he looked like Antonio Brown. I, you know, knowing New England, how they execute up there, years of studying them on offense, you know, I, I would have bet a million dollars at the start of the game they were going to find Antonio Brown. They were going to silence all of that right away. Let's get this guy the ball. Let's show everybody our new toy. It's and, the and, start of the and game. They pay Isn't that weird? Yeah. For as insulated as they are against it, they do pay attention to those narratives? Definitely. Well, it, and it's just better for their football team, too because it's just okay you know let's get him the ball early you please him we don't have to worry about the rest of the team or Antonio on the sidelines going when the hell am I going to get the ball they just end all of that and then there's no better way to do it than in the beginning of the game because that's when you can give Antonio a few plays to go wait these are your plays you're going to get these within the first two drives really study hone in on these to where he can get all over the details that way but look good Mike and Damn, they look good. Gronk who? I mean, they, Gronk who is like, they don't, they're just amazing. Yeah, what, what if Gronk says, hey, I'm ready to come back? Say, yeah, no, we're like, good. Yeah, we're good. We're good. We'll yeah. call you. We'll we're call pretty you stacked in the past game yeah. now. <laughs> um, off the field, the NFL will meet with Brown's accuser on Monday, Brittany Taylor, who's made it clear from the get-go she's willing to cooperate. That's one of the flaws in the NFL's in-house system. You can't force people to cooperate. But when they want to, makes it a lot easier. Like yep. in Ezekiel Elliott's case, the accuser was interviewed six times right. by the NFL. Now, here's where it got interesting yesterday because in her lawsuit she mentions another player, doesn't name that player, that other player who is a witness to at least one of the incidents, and not a witness like he was in the room, but he's around so he can provide some context and how they were getting along and what he saw, what he witnessed, what he may have sensed, experienced, etc. Marquise Brown, the Ravens yeah. receiver who is Antonio Brown's cousin. So he'll be interviewed by the NFL. The thinking is he will give favorable testimony on Antonio Brown's behalf, but that 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 
family relationship necessarily undermines his credibility. Yeah. He, it's his cousin. Right. He's not going to go in there and say, oh, this guy, oh, this, oh, right. boy, you know. So his that's cousin how, who he looks up to yeah, and wants yeah. to be just like yeah. him on the so, football field. So, um, but it is somebody other than Antonio Brown. To the extent it's he said, she said, there's somebody else involved who can tell a story, and maybe he can tell a story in a, in a better way than Antonio Brown. That's my big concern from Antonio Brown's perspective. And, and I, I want to say this as tactfully and delicately as possible, but I've interviewed Antonio Brown a couple yeah. of times. We've all seen him speak and communicate and tweet, and sometimes I think some of the things he puts on Twitter are just like a random word generator. It makes no, you know, it's, and I, I don't know how good of a witness he's going to be. Yeah. Because when he's getting grilled by somebody, I don't know how he's going to hold up. Yeah, right. And he's going to get angry. Yeah. Is he, is he going to, uh, I, at one point, Chad Ochocinco was in the midst of litigation over some issue that came up in Cincinnati and the lawyer uh, made the quote that he's got the mental acuity of a soap dish. I mean, sometimes you get in these spots where you, you think you just show up and smile and everything's fine. It's a different world when it's time to testify, yeah. whether it's in the setting of where you're being interviewed by the league or, you know, in court. And that's where this can all go sideways. And he could be telling, I mean, he ultimately could be innocent, yeah, but unable mm-hmm to get his story out in a way that's going to convince someone else. She may be making it all up, but very compelling and believable in how she tells her story. That's that's the rea- when you when you step into this arena, yeah, right. that's part of that's just part of the reality yeah. because somebody's going to decide this based upon what you communicate or fail to communicate is what ultimately happens. So that starts this today. The process unfolds this week, and he could end up on the commissioner exemplist. I mean, just because the Patriots let him play yesterday does not mean he's going to be good to go. And if the Patriots find out something as part of this process that they don't like, they'll get rid of him. They they weren't going to cut him just based on civil allegations in a lawsuit. Right. Criminal charges, they would have cut him. Yeah. Civil lawsuit, they won't. But they can learn something through this process and get them to say, oh, we're, we're done with this guy. Yeah, I, I would think they – I mean, yes, if they learn something in the process that they felt just damages the product of the New England Patriots and they don't want to be associated with it, I have no doubt New England would do the right thing and get out of the situation. You know, I don't think New England would have signed him in general if they knew about any Nobody of this. Nobody would Yeah. Nobody would Right. So that, that was news yesterday. Oh, yeah. the Patriots wouldn't have signed yeah, him. I mean, no, if you'd have known about this lawsuit, right. if you had a copy of this lawsuit, you would not have signed him without no. doing more research to make sure that he's innocent before stepping into this problem. And they're, 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 you know, again, even though they're New England and we want to hear from Antonio Brown, they're handling it the right way. You know, they're not, they're not letting it be a story for their football team. Even though it's a story, they're doing their best to, you know, not let it get out of control and become, you know, this huge blazing inferno to where it's just on every website everywhere. And that's all we're talking about. Even if it means fracturing a rule or two, like making him available during the week. And they, making him available. They don't the care. They're, those are the, yes. They will. They will push the envelope with that kind of stuff to protect the overall aura of their locker room, their team, and even to protect Antonio Brown to a to a, a certain degree. Just so, like you said, doesn't talk himself into a corner or say something stupid to where that becomes a story. Now the Patriots have to answer that kind of crap too. Well, it shall continue to be interesting as the Patriots, who I, they don't need him. It's no, nice to have him. They don't. They do not need him. No. It is running extremely well for New England, breaking that narrative that that they stink in September and it's an extension of the preseason and that's the time you want to get him. No, you don't want to ever get him. No. As long as Tom Brady's playing, and even without Tom Brady, I just feel like it's, it's as long as Bill Belichick, he has figured out 
Yeah. How to win consistently in the NFL. He has. And and we can either accept it right. and respect it and maybe wait for it to end yeah. so other teams will have a chance or uh, or we can just continue to to try to talk ourselves into thinking that it's just a fluke it's not a fluke no what it's we've not seen a fluke. the past few years is not a fluke no. all right uh, we're done we're done good job today chris sims unbutton coming up later today pft pm tomorrow with juju smith schuster and tomorrow morning another edition of pft live enjoy the game tonight jets 24-23 baby browns 24-17 baby we'll see who's right tomorrow i go baker if i'm wrong trevor Simeon. if i'm wrong I won't mention it at all. Everybody have a great day. I will. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.